Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show and a midweek instalment of Bullet Points. We've got a random episode of Bullet Points today. There's a thank you, there's an oh my goodness, and some genuinely sad news. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So yes, this episode of Bullet Points is slightly less linear than usual. Normally, I muse on a particular subject, sharing my thoughts before asking your opinion, which you kindly share with me on Facebook, in the Facebook group, via DMs or via emails. All of those methods and means of getting in touch with me are available in the show notes. But unlike the shows where I'm joined with my guests... These episodes, these midweek shows, are not only shorter, but they are a little more off the cuff and somewhat topical. And the reality is that this week, I'm not in the headspace to really think about one thing in great detail, which the reasons for which will become clear in a second. But first, I wanted to say thank you for the reaction to the last episode of Bullet Points, where I worked myself into a rage about girl dinner, girl math, etc. I actually had which kind of made me a bit depressed as well. So I actually had a lot of feedback on that episode. I posted it on social media. Now, here's the thing. If I post a video of me doing makeup, it will get a lot of interaction and engagement. If I post an image saying, new podcast, it will probably get 13 likes. And I understand that that's how the algorithm works. And I deliberately don't feed into the algorithm by putting anything particularly contentious up there. But on this particular occasion, it obviously read the post. I think it said... um, when are we going to un, uh, when are we going to stop this unhelpful girl trend? I forget exactly what the wording was. And all of a sudden, likes started coming in, but it got so many comments with people sharing their opinion, which is obviously great. But obviously, you don't want to always put out content that's going to elicit a reaction and sort of work people up into a rage and get people to disagree. That's not that's never been what I have been about. But anyway. But what was really wonderful about the engagement that it had, particularly on Instagram, I have to say there was a lot of interaction on Instagram, is that I learned a very valuable lesson, which is that that trend was not meant for me. (laughs) And there was absolutely no point in me getting incensed about it because the girl dinner, girl math trend is not for a 45-year-old woman who isn't at that stage in her life. It's not for me. So of course, I'm not going to understand it. Of course, I'm going to look at it and think there's something bad and wrong about it. Because it just isn't for me, like um, crop trousers. It's just not for me. Well, crop, crop skinny trousers, but like, you know, the wide leg ones. I mean, it's just, just don't ever let me do it, please. But 
even though it wasn't for me to get upset about, what I was really, really pleased pleased about is that that interaction on the post, that engagement, all those comments meant that plenty of my incredibly astute followers, I'm sure you're listening, told me that it's actually pushing back in the case of girl dinner specifically on this sort of societal expectation of women to be the provider to get home after a long day at work and to cook a meal from scratch that somehow looks perfect contains all the relevant food groups is nourishing nutritious etc and girl dinner just pushes back on that and says no we'll eat picky bits and you can shove your societal expectations um up your up your bum and we're going to eat hummus out of the container while watching netflix and I don't know, ripping a cucumber to pieces. That's fine That if that's what you need. So I kind of, having seen it from that perspective, I understand that um, A, it's not for me. B, it's not as denigrating or degrading as I thought it was. And actually, although I felt a bit silly for having been so enraged about it, I was really glad that I was because I learned that I saw, I saw the trend through other people's eyes and I realized that it's actually not as harmful as I thought it was. So I have no argument with this. And if to those sharing it, it feels empowering, then I will stand down and accept that it's not my place to be irked by girl dinner, girl math. Girl math, I'm, I'm, I'm still on the fence about, but hey, there we go. And as Yaz said, Yaz, longtime listener, said on Instagram, perhaps it's more a case of who gets to use these terms as opposed to them being used at all. Very astute, Yaz, very astute. I enjoyed that. Thank you. So now that I've decompressed and let that one go, And I really just wanted to acknowledge that this is where your feedback is so wonderful, because I'm certainly not standing here saying, or sitting here saying, I'm really cross about girl dinner and girl math, and you should be furious about it too, and here's why, and stand with me. That's not what this is about. These episodes, or these, when I ask these questions, it's really about getting your opinion and seeing what I'm missing, and I was missing something really important there, and I'm really glad that I now see it from many perspectives, and have now learned and grown. Learned? Yes, learned and grown. Um... Yeah, so I've let that one go and I'm sort of moving on to something that I'm trying to avoid, but obviously you've got to pull off the band-aid as it were, because I have some sad news to share. And that is that friend of the show, she came on the show a few times actually, and many of you will know her from my social media, um, lovely friend of the show, Dr. Uchenna Okoye. She came on here and did uh, and asked me anything about all things dentistry she shared some really brilliant tips about Invisalign and about how to look after, like we talked about sort of charcoal, toothpaste and all of those random trends. Um, but very sadly, it's my sad duty to report that she passed away. She was only 53 and it's horribly shocking and terribly sad. And I found out late on Sunday evening. And so it's been an odd few days as me and many of my friends and people that you will know from this podcast and from my social media, all of us in the beauty industry who knew Eugenia have sort of started to learn the news. It sort of started to, um, I think, late on the weekend, uh, it sort of broke and then they announced it on social media on Monday and it was just just really, really shocking. And Eugenia looked after me for many, many years. So I remember her PR got in touch with me when I was on a magazine, of the OK magazine, and her PR got in touch. And at the time, the big trend was um, teeth whitening. And they said, would you like to come in and try teeth whitening? And as was the case when I was on that magazine, I could never really get out of the office during the day. And so I went along one sort of six o'clock time at the end of the day 
to go and have an appointment with Dr. Eugenia Okoye, who was on 10 years younger and was this very famous uh, dentist who was doing things slightly differently. So she was really pioneering a space for dental practices to feel more like a spa experience rather than clinical emotionless places that had a funny smell. She prided herself, you know, that very sort of clean clinical dentistry smell uh, in the way that schools always smell sort of slightly of cheap bleach, that kind of thing. But she was making these practices feel very warm, welcoming and, and luxurious And one of the things that you could do while you waited was have a paraffin hand wax treatment or a paraffin wax hand treatment. And so essentially you would go in and you would, I am here to see Dr. Eugenia Okoye. And they would say, wonderful, would you like a paraffin wax hand treatment? And you'd say, actually, that sounds fantastic. So you'd go through and somebody would take you to this little room and you would um, submerge your hands one at a time into a sort of vat a very um, sort of uh, almost looked like a slow cooker, but just a, a, probably was a slow cooker in fairness, but you know, a beauty one. You'd slowly submerge your hand into the paraffin wax, pull it out, and you would have this layer of wax that would harden, and they would put these gloves over the top. And then you would have a warm towel wrapped around your hands to really moisturize and just give you a, a very luxurious, lovely experience. But the thing is, is that because I went to go and see her at the end of the day, <laughs> The paraffin wax level in this vat was very low. And so I was like rushed from the office, rushed across from East London to West London. I was like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And her lovely assistant submerged my hand into the now very shallow vat of paraffin wax. And it was very, very hot. It was very, very hot indeed. And in order to not be that person who goes in and is like the difficult one, I just winced and internally screamed as both hands were submerged. You know that thing where you put your feet in the bath and it's really, really hot and your skin kind of screams and you can feel it contracting. It was that. Um, and I obviously didn't want to say anything. And they, there's, it was one of those, it was one of those very, very funny things, but actually my hands felt amazing afterwards. <laughs> they didn't lose a layer of skin. It was just a bit hot to begin with, shockingly hot, but there we go. Um, and it's just, those are the sorts of things that she would do. And at that appointment, she said something to me that is so true of you, Chenna, and how she approached her patients. Bearing in mind, this was somebody who had such a terrifying experience <clears throat> in the dentist chair as a child that she resolved to never have anyone sit in her chair and have anything this, anything like that. So she was all about making it very, very comfortable for people. And um, she said to me, I'm going to talk to you as though you're my sister because I really care about my sister and I, I'm going to give you advice as if I would give it. To, and I just thought that was really, really lovely. And it's always really stuck with me. And she said it to me a few times since. So she must have been, must have been seeing her for various bits and bobs, including my Invisalign, which is the journey of which many of you may have followed on Instagram, where she really sorted out my teeth um, and fixed my smile incredibly. Um, God, 15 years, maybe, maybe more. But anyway, also the teeth whitening was the thing that I went in for that day. And one of the other things, and we do, I always used to end up just crying, laughing in her practice. So the first time I had our teeth whitening treatment with her, and I only had one, and she stopped it prematurely because, so I don't know if you know, but you put these things in your mouth and you can't speak. It's like that game where you have to say words and your, your mouth is just basically pinned open. They put the gel on me and they put the light on me, but they're very, very cautious. She's very, very cautious, was very, very cautious about sensitivity. And so you would have the gel on, you'd have the light on, you'd have it for a couple of minutes. 
and then you would she'd be like how was that what was the pain like and then you would you would figure I think there were three potentially three sessions you could have of the light in one sitting and after each one you would assess and one of the other things about this luxurious environment was that she would as you were having your treatment she would you would watch a dvd and you'd have the screen above your face and you could choose what dvd so there was a dvd library this is how long ago it was it was before streaming and so I thought, oh, I'll watch an episode of The Office. Love Ricky Gervais. I'll watch an episode of The Office. So there I am. Everything's put on. It's quite serious. They're taking me. Obviously, they're very good at what they do. And I'm there. I'm waiting for the light to go on. And the DVD starts playing. But it's the, it's the gag reel. And so I don't know if you've ever tried to watch a gag reel with all of that stuff in your mouth. I was hysterical. And she thought that it was because I was in pain. And I was like, no, 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 keep doing it, keep doing it. And she was like, no, 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 you're in pain, you're in pain. I'm like, no, I'm laughing. It was just one of those things where it was just, that still makes me laugh when I think about it because I was trying so hard not to look at the screen. But I had earphones in as well because they really did. It was a very luxurious experience. And so I was trying, like, don't look at the screen, you won't laugh. But I couldn't, I was just, just convulsing with laughter. Anyway. She was a very special person, hugely talented, generous and giving. And it's a very, very sad, sad loss. And I shall miss her. So I said this wasn't going to be a linear episode. And this feels like a really peculiar segue. But this, as I've explained, has been a a peculiar, (laughs) a peculiar few days. And on Saturday, I'd already decided that I wanted to talk about this on this week's bullet point. So although we've taken a few sharp turns here, this is the last one, I promise. So late on Friday, was sort of mid-afternoon Friday, I started getting messages from friends in the media about a huge story that was dropping at the weekend, just saying, keep your eyes peeled, this is coming, blah, 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 blah. And as someone who worked in print media for a long time, a new story breaking in this way, particularly when it's something big, is always accompanied by a frisson of excitement. And now I know that might sound awful, but it's it's the kind of thing having worked in this industry for a long time that when the whispers begin it builds and builds and builds to a crescendo until those newspapers hit the stands or those stories go live online and it's kind of it's quite rare now in the age of social media so I think there are quite we were talking about this at the weekend there are quite a few of us from sort of proper old school print days who um, feel quite nostalgic as well as sort of excited about whatever is not excited about what's coming out but just sort of like oh what is it how's it been put together and you start sort of finding out a bit more information and the story I'm talking about obviously is the huge coverage around Russell Brand and I don't want to go into the details of anything because actually that's not relevant but I do want to talk about something that I've covered on this show before and it feels really pertinent here because I was somebody who really bought into Russell Brand and his incarnation as a recovered addict turned wellness guru. Because the thing is, you see what people want you to see and you also see what you want to see in people. And I started to read his books, listen to his podcast and watch his YouTube channel at a time when I wanted what he had. I wanted to go from feeling lost and seeking external validation to feeling found and secure within myself And as is tempting, I thought that, and it just makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I thought that if I engaged in as much of his content as possible and parroted the things that he said, that I too would emerge righteous, free, liberated, unshackled from the prison of depression and anxiety and my own demons. And I saw no issue with this and thought that he was a worthy example. And in actual fact, I've sort of tuned out of him since, we'll get into that, but last summer I found myself in the same room as him and I felt really quite starstruck and mesmerised. And um, it took me by surprise a little bit, but again, that's sort of beside the point. 
This isn't specifically about Russell, but it is about the trend we've seen, particularly in the last decade, of people not just appointing themselves, but being elevated to a position of guru, especially in the wellness space. When I think back to self-help, or if you really, I would love somebody, is anybody listening to this who is doing a dissertation in self-help and the the timeline of self-help? Because when I think about self-help, I always come back to sort of the beginning, which is Tony Robbins. And Tony Robbins was such an anomaly back in the day. He used to have these cassettes that you could that you could buy. And I only know about that from sort of listening to other people talk about them. But Tony Robbins was radical. This idea that somebody would stand up on a stage and tell you the ways in which you could improve your life and the ways in which you could steer yourself out of money problems or relationship issues. That was so radical, so radical that you would put your faith into somebody who was just a regular Joe. And then obviously, as time went on, someone like Tony Robbins no longer appears as a regular Joe. He seems like he knows something that we don't and he gets elevated and obviously enjoys that position. But also, I highly recommend his documentary called I Am Not Your Guru on Netflix. It's astounding. It's really, really interesting. But anyway, a few years ago, I actually wrote, uh, published a podcast called Choose Your Gurus Wisely because it's just something that I had noticed. And as somebody who has been vulnerable, and it's not that I'm invulnerable now, but somebody who's been vulnerable and desperate for guidance and sort of wanting to hitch my wagon to somebody else's recovery or success, it's so easily done. And there is just a market flooded with people who are telling others how to live their lives and they're monetizing it, they're capitalizing on it, and they are enjoying having these huge audiences. And when you really break it down, when you really look at a lot of these people, and Mia culpa, I've I've platformed some of them too. I've fallen for it because I'm not I'm not so um cynical, but I, I am. But I um I just see people who've realized that if you sell them the same thing over and over again if not only do you sort of sell them this dream and this idea, but you just keep doing it, there's some comfort in that. They just, they, they become loyal. I just, it's just made me really uncomfortable over a certain period or so. And I think the self-help space has become quite muddy and I don't necessarily like it. And the reason why I talk about this is because it would have been easy when I was feeling bad. And I've talked about this on the podcast before I talked to you about what it was like when I had my first therapy session. I talked to you openly about what it was like to be told that I had a, a diagnosis of depression. Like, it's not fun, but I've also, what I hope I've done is I've told you at the time about the things that I've done that have worked. It's one of the reasons why I did 26 Habits. It was like an editorialized way of sharing some of the tactics I was using without making it all about me, 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 me. But equally, I don't come back to it in every episode. I don't say, hey, remember, remember when I was really sad and my guts were liquefied and I couldn't get out of bed and my hair was falling out because I don't see any value in that. I feel like that's just rubbernecking. What I think is valuable is for you to perhaps be aware that that is something that I experienced and to see the journey that one can go on and everyone's journey will be their own. None of it is linear. I have good days. I still have some crappy days, if I'm really honest, like the news about Uchenna is sort of thrown me of course but I just it's this thing that I'm seeing about how and you see it with this story of how the only reason somebody is able to wield so much power in many cases is because of the power that's given to them and of course it's not just by followers and readers and listeners it's obviously by other people in power 
But whether it is somebody who's on a huge global scale like Russell Brand or whether it is somebody who just has a very engaged but quite decent sized social media following, we can we can give other people too much. And when you're giving other people too much of your adoration, you're taking it away from yourself, I think. Like be your own guru. Everyone's trying their best. Everyone is wrong-footed by something they haven't experienced before. And good, because the whole point is to learn. Like, that's what life is about. Nobody has all the answers. And I just, because I've done it, I sort of caution people. Like, stop looking for people to parrot, copy, mimic, and emulate. Like, take what you want from people, but don't make them a celebrity (laughs) as a result of it. And I think that's what definitely, it bothers me a lot when I see people enjoying such huge success and I think well what are you actually giving people you're just giving people the same thing over and over again and somewhere along the way you thought that you 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 were able to give people advice I think being able to give people advice is quite a privilege and is maybe something that should be asked for not given anyway that was that was just those were thoughts in my head and because they were thoughts in my head I wanted to ask you what you think about it again this isn't specifically about the big news story that broke this is more about lever- elevating people to a position of power where they where it can then be abused and obviously it can be any degree of abuse I even was talking to a friend recently he was raving about a self-help guru who talked about um manifesting and was just saying, Emma, you've got to get her on the show. She's so amazing. Da, 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 da. And I started reading a book of theirs or something of theirs. And I was like, I can't. This is making me want to throw up. I really, this is just, I almost feel insulted. This is because I was too far down my cynical path. And then the next time I saw my friend, she said, do you know what? I paid for her course and I didn't use it within the time frame. And so all of the files deleted. And if I want it, I've got to buy it again. And I thought, exactly, exactly you are a customer. So um, I just feel a little bit um, cynical and I feel it's a worrying trend to A, be elevating people, but also to want to be elevated in such a way where people look up to you like, we're all flawed. Let's not try and pretend that we're not. So those are my thoughts, but I'd be very interested to know what you think. Have you noticed this trend as well? Where somebody like if you're a doctor of psychology like dr tracy dennis tawari who's been on the show before if you have done phds and extensive research into anxiety talk about anxiety all the time i'm going to listen to you but if you have experienced anxiety and every post that you put up is about anxiety or if you have experienced depression every post that you put up is about depression or if you have experienced an eating disorder and every post that you put up is about an eating disorder and your perspective on it then i i have to say i just think that that is where things get muddy and potentially unhelpful and what are you following that person for and that's what I think we have to interrogate and just make sure that we're not following people blindly because that does seem to be something that happens and can happen and the wellness space which let's face it I operate within in some to some degree is rife for it and it makes me feel a bit unclean but please let me know what you think have you noticed it do you feel like it's quite good to elevate people and to have people in your eye line who you can look up to and go to when you feel that you need their advice. Like, what's your feeling about these guru statuses? And how does it make you feel? Do you follow people for the because they make you feel a certain way about something that maybe you feel bad about, like mental health? Or, like, as I have done, like I said, I bought into Russell 
and many, many other people and who I have since not bought into. But I just wondered where you are on this because I don't think, as I've said many times before, I'm never alone in these thoughts. You are always right there with me experiencing similar uh, feelings. So please do share. Come over to the Facebook group and share those feelings. Let me know what you think. Is there anyone who you have thought was amazing and then you've maybe changed your opinion or vice versa? DM me on Instagram and Twitter or I'm at Emma Guns. Come over to that Facebook group. That's where all the chats are happening. Or you can email me on thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. But I would be really, really fascinated to know what you think. And sorry that this hasn't felt very linear or particularly um, usual. But yeah, this week just feels very, very bizarre and odd. But um, I'm seeing some of the many people that you will know from the beauty industry this evening. So I think there will be a lovely opportunity to just sort of reset and um, have lots of hugs with friends. So um, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate all of you. I appreciate your time hugely. And I really do appreciate it when you do things like last week, where you offer me your perspective on the stuff that I'm saying and allow me to see things with a broader one. So thank you so much. I will see you on the next one. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.